thank you guys for coming out tonight to support our kids. I am extremely proud of our children, extremely proud of you moms and dads, and the way in which you're trying to help them think about the needs of other people. I've known Eric and Tracy for almost 25 years. I was at the hospital when their second little boy was born with very special needs. He almost died. And it's been extraordinary for me to watch their lives unfold and see them take those two little boys and move to Africa and see them build this from scratch, from the ground up. You have no idea how blessed we are in this nation. It's easy to forget, isn't it? It's easy to forget. Let's bow our heads for a word of prayer. Father, we just thank you tonight for your incredible goodness to us, your incredible mercy in our lives. And Lord, I just want to lift up Eric and Tracy to you tonight. And I want to lift up those moms and those little children at Hashima. I know, Lord, how incredibly dangerous Nairobi is. <clears throat> that video makes everything look really nice and pleasant. It's a very dangerous area. And I thank you, God, for their lives and for the living testimony they have been to so many mothers and children who, when they're born with disabilities, are put out. They're turned out by their loved ones. And they had nowhere else to go. And I thank you, Lord, for their commitment to build this little center. Lord, we ask you tonight that you would bless their efforts there. We ask you, Lord, that you'd bless those dear moms and those little children. And Father, I ask you to bless our little children tonight for the effort and the work they've put in to their projects and that, Lord, you use the funds that are raised to be a great blessing to those moms and their children there. I ask you, Lord, tonight that you would speak to our hearts, that you would open our mind to understand the reality of what you want, the life-changing decision, the life-changing choice that you want in our lives Thank you, Lord Jesus, for the choice you made for us. In Jesus' name, amen. You know, occasionally, <clears throat> one of the things that I like to do, just, just, um, just off on, on a side light for just a moment, I, I am so touched by these videos and by these little children and the reality of what they deal with. I've been to Honduras multiple times, and um, I'll never forget the first time that I went my friend who picked me up, Nelson, was driving me from the airport, and um, I have never seen things like I saw there. It was my first time in what you would call absolute abject poverty. And the little children who would come up, and, and some of them with no clothes or, and, uh, or severe deformities, knocking on your window at the busiest streets you can imagine, roundabouts with thousands of cars, and they'd weave in trying to beg, their parents would send them out to beg, those that had parents. I remember seeing people living in stick huts. And then I've been down there 20 times. I flew down there after Hurricane Mitch hit San Pedro Sula. Did you know that 500 million people, this is in fact, I'm not making this up, 500 million people in India have no toilet. No, they don't have an outhouse either. They walk out in the field and they defecate. 500 million. 
That's almost two United States. Think of everyone that you know all around you. No indoor plumbing, no toilet. We're incredibly fortunate in what God has given to us. And I, I, I review these things in my mind because it helps my gratitude. It helps my perspective. It reminds me how, how much I have actually to really give. <clears throat> I'm going to finish this series tonight. I started last week entitled The Choice. And last week, we looked at the choice that Jesus Christ made. It was obviously Good Friday, but I would like to read to you from the book of Hebrews just a quick little review, because it has significance to us this evening. In Hebrews chapter 10, we read about the sacrifice of Jesus Christ. For it is not possible for the blood of bulls and goats to take away our sins. Animal sacrifices will not take away our sins. That is why Jesus Christ, when he came into the world, said, You did not want animal sacrifices and grain offerings, but you have given me a body so that I may obey you. No, you were not pleased with animals burned on the altar or with offerings for sin. Then I said, Look, I have come to do your will, O God. And I want to pause on that tonight because it has great relevance to us this evening. <clears throat> so Jesus Christ comes into the world, and the two things that were significant, he had a body. God gave him a body. His body was going to be both a living and a dying sacrifice for our sin. And secondly, what did Jesus do with that body? He came to do the will of God. That's what is written. <clears throat> Jesus took that body and he sacrificed it for our sins. He took the eternal punishment and the eternal judgment and the eternal wrath of God that would take us all of eternity to pay. We seldom realize, be re to be really honest, we seldom grasp in the eyes of God how incredibly wicked the human race really is. And when people think to themselves, how could God send us to eternal hell? It would take all of eternity to pay for our sin. And when we see things like the Passion of the Christ, for example, put out by Mel Gibson some years ago, we tend to focus on the physical reality. We see the tortures, beating that he received, the crown of thorns, the mocking, the hitting on the head of the staff and the rods. We see him hang there. We see the blood, we see the gore. What we do not see and what we cannot grasp is that when Jesus was on that cross, the Father took all of my sin, all of yours, all of the world's, he put it on his son, and then he pulverized him in a full vent of God's fury and wrath that would take all the world, all eternity in hell, paying for their own sin to pay for. Christ took that. And he was separated from God. God separated from God. But not only did he pay for our sin, but he rose from the dead. And he conquered death. And he gives us eternal life. This is just a tiny, tiny sliver of our lives. Because of Christ, when we receive him, we will live forever and ever and ever and ever. Our bodies, our new bodies will never wear out. We'll know no pain or sorrow or anguish or sin or temptation. 
And we will live both with God and with all of our brothers and sisters, our new family in Jesus Christ, in a brand new world made for his children. And the old will be gone and all will be new. And Christ has forgiven us and he's made us righteous right now, righteous in the eyes of God. We are without fault in the eyes of God because of Jesus Christ. Because of the choice that he made to take his body and do the will of God. It's a game changer. And when we talked last week, when we receive Christ, that choice that we make to believe, to acknowledge in humility that I've sinned. I've sinned against God. I've sinned against others. And I need God's forgiveness. I shared with you last week, I'll share with you again, there is nothing that you can do to earn your salvation. I realize, and I'll say this, and I mean this with all gentleness, but in all truthfulness, there will be literally tens of thousands of people in a, in, in a church this Sunday, a church building. These are really a church building. Christians are the church. This is a building. And there will be millions gathered across the United States in churches that are hearing a lie. And the lie is, your good deeds must outweigh your bad deeds. That's a lie. The cross of Christ has no meaning if you believe that. You cannot possibly do good works that would somehow get God to approve of your life. Only Christ could do that. Christ lived a perfect, spotless, sinless life. And he was only raised from the dead because he lived a spotless, perfect, sinless life. And and God raised him from the dead. So now I've come to Christ, okay? So now here I am. I've come to Jesus Christ. I want to share with you the most significant decision that we make in our lives. How it affects every single day of our life. So now that I'm a Christian, a Christian means a Christ one. Christ has come and lived in you. When you receive Christ, when you say, Lord Jesus, I believe you died for me. I want you to forgive my sin. I want to receive your gift. Come into my life by faith. Immediately you're born again. And Christ comes and lives inside of you. Never leaves. Here's what the scripture says, and I'm going to focus on this verse tonight and help you understand the life of meaning that God has for you. The Apostle Paul is writing in in Romans, and he says this, And so, dear brothers and sisters, I plead with you, I plead with you, give your body to God. Let it be a living, holy sacrifice, the kind that honors him. When you think of what he has done for you, is this too much to ask? Now, I would like to read this from a variety of different translations so that you get sort of the greater breadth of this passage. This is from the Voice Bible. Brothers and sisters, in light of all I have shared with you about God's mercies, I urge you to offer your body as a living, holy sacrifice to God, a sacred offering that brings him pleasure. This is your reasonable, essential act of worship. 
This is the Amplified Bible. Therefore, I urge you, brothers and sisters, by the mercies of God, to present your body, dedicating all of yourself, set apart as a living sacrifice, holy and well-pleasing to God, which is your rational, logical, intelligent act of worship. This is from the Phillips Bible. With eyes wide open to the mercies of God, I beg you, my brothers, as an act of intelligent worship, to give him your body as a living sacrifice, consecrated to him and acceptable to God. Don't let the world around you squeeze you into its own mold, but let God remold your minds from within so you may prove in practice that the plan of God for you is good, meets all his demands, and moves towards the goal of true maturity. This is the message. So here's what I want you to do, God helping you. Take your everyday ordinary life, your sleeping, eating, getting to work, and walking around life, and place it before God as an offering. Embrace what God does for you is the best thing you can do for him. Don't become so well adjusted to your culture that you fit into it without thinking. Instead, fix your attention on God. You'll be changed from the inside out. Readily recognize what he wants from you and quickly respond to it. Unlike the culture around you, always dragging you down to the level of its immaturity and ungodliness, God brings out the best in you and develops well-formed Christian maturity in you. The last one is the New Life Version. Dear brothers and sisters, I ask you from my heart to give your bodies to God. <clears throat> because of his loving kindness to you. Let your body be a living, holy gift given to God as an act of worship. He is pleased with this kind of life, pleased with this gift. This is true worship that you should give to him. The choice that God wants you and I to make is to live the rest of your life in this body as an act of worship to God. That you give him your body, consecrated, set apart, holy. That means dedicated, devoted to the will of God. From this moment to the day he takes you home. And we're going to talk about what that means and what that looks like because there's often a real misunderstanding of this. Our lives <clears throat> are meant to be a daily act of worship to God. As we give our lives and our body and our will to do his will. Here is the definition of worship. If I put together different passages of Scripture, here's the definition of worship. Worship, a life of devoted adoration, love, gratitude, service, and obedience to God. To live as he asks us to live. <clears throat> now I'll share something with you. I'm, again, I, I'm always going to be honest with you. <clears throat> I believe that's the best thing so you understand what's really going on. Today... In Christianity, particularly among young people, there's an awful lot of emotion without the reality of obedience. <clears throat> there are churches across this city and there are churches across this nation in which their service is basically like a giant rock concert full of smoke and lights and move and emotion and people waving their hands and there's nothing against praising God in a most unashamed and uninhibited way. But study after study after study after study after research is done proves definitively that our lives 
and particularly of young people, it's a sham. It's a show. It's emotion. It's almost a spiritual, orgasmic experience. And then we walk out that door and we're as immoral as the world around us. And we're as defiant to God in our attitudes and in our actions and in our marriages. I want to share this with you. Here's how this works out. A living act of worship is in the way in which we live our life every single day. So let me walk you through some of this. My marriage is an act of worship. How I love and treat my wife is an act of worship to God as I do it God's way. Wow, would that change a marriage? I do not love Kathy because she's worthy of love. Because on any particular day, she was lovable. Because, oh my gosh, she just walked out of the bathroom. She's just stunning, and I'm overcome with love. I love her. And I strive to love her like Christ loved the church because it's the way that I demonstrate back to God my love, my gratitude, my adoration for what he did for me. And I embrace laying down my life, my self-interest, my preferences to what's good for my wife. And that living demonstration is a neon billboard, an advertisement of the reality of God to my children that watch, to the world around me that knows me, to relatives that know me. The way in which a wife responds to her husband, the way that you love and treat your husband, you respect him or submit to him, not because he's so worthy of it, because he's the most incredible leader, but because to honor God, you have given him your body and is an act of worship. As I've worked it to you, Lord, I honor him. Day in and day out. For me, May 5th, 37 years. That's been the motivation. This verse, Mark, give your body as a living sacrifice to God. It's your reasonable act of worship. My parenting, our parenting. Is an act of worship. How I love and treat and raise and guide my children is an act of worship to God as I carry it out in the way that he asked me to. Never think about that before. That's the act of worship. Wow, that we would put the same enthusiasm and zeal and fervency and emotion into the way we love our children and guide them, and shepherd them, and raise them, that we see so many do when the music is loud, and they're just all caught up in all of it. Oh my gosh, that's praise, and that's wonderful. But what we do when we walk out that door, that's the reality of our worship. My relationships... My relationships with others is an act of worship. How I treat other people is an act of worship to God as I do it God's way. How I forgive the wrongs that others have done to me is an act of worship to God. You know what's really striking? Well, I'll share this with you in a moment. Let me go through these. Have you ever thought about that? Lord, I, forgiveness is not an easy thing. There have been many things. I could share with you stories in each one of these. I'm not going to do that tonight. 
them in many, 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 many things over the last 40 years of my life as I've pursued to live it as an act of worship to God, as I presented my body as a living sacrifice to God, that I have had to forgive that were very painful things done to me. Some unbelievable personal injustices. And I say, Father, I forgive them. I forgive them as an act of worship to you. As an act of worship to you. Not because they're worthy to be forgiven. Not because they ask. Because sell them in my life. Sell them in my life. Has anyone come back and said, Oh, hey, Mark, would you forgive me? I did it as an act of worship to God. How we do our job, how we do our job every day. You're there 40 hours, maybe a week, 40 hours, 50 hours a week. I don't know how many hours. Do you do it as an act of worship? Moms, listen, this changes everything. You change that diaper, it's an act of worship. It's an act of worship. Do you do it with a joy in your heart, Lord? I'm doing three for you. This is what you've called me to, this life of service to this little child. When you're bagging those groceries, when you're stocking that shelf, when you're working at that machine, when you're building that house, when you're working on that program, when you're teaching that class, you see the power in this. Because of what Christ has done, I live my life with the same vision and passion that Jesus lived to do his Father's will. Because this is what you have for me, Lord, and I'm living my life as an offering of sacrifice. See, here's the thing. When many people have read this passage, here's what they think Paul means. They think, if I'm going to live my life as an act of worship, present my body, I'm off to the mission field. That's not what it means. That's what it means for some of us. And that's most definitely part of what it meant for me. But that's just one part. It's in the everyday realities I'm changing that oil on somebody's car. Or I'm on that phone counseling someone or whatever. It's an act of worship to God. It's an act of my love and devotion and adoration. And I'm showing my gratitude back to God by giving the very best of my life to serve those he puts in front of me. It's an act of worship, and it pleases God. I want you to know that that diaper, those dishes, that floor that's vacuumed, that garbage that's taken out, do you do it for God? Changes everything. Everything. How, think about this, how I think and the thoughts that I entertain and the thoughts I don't entertain is an act of worship to God as I think the way God wants me to, as I maintain the attitude God wants me to. Well, how many times is our attitude, you know, I'm, I confess, stinks. It just stinks. Stinking thinking. <clears throat> and I need to get before God and repent of it. Turn from it. Lord, it's a rotten attitude. Lord, help me right now to change my attitude. I want to honor you in my attitudes. I want to honor you in my inner world and my outside world. I want to live my mind, Lord, my thoughts. I want them to honor you. What I choose for entertainment, does it cross the line of something that's morally questionable? I want to stay away from that. I want to stay away from that, Lord. I want to honor you in my relaxation. It's an act of worship. Living a holy life, morally pure and upright to God, 
is an act of worship. Have you ever thought about that? Moral purity is a big deal to God. It's a way that I can offer my life to honor God and worship God. I know so many Christians playing right around the boundaries. They're just pushing the boundaries all the time, all the time. And to be honest, it's a very poor testimony. God wants me, God wants me to think about, Lord, I want my life to be an act of worship to you. The use of my gifts, your gifts and abilities for God's church slash his people is an act of worship. How I use my gifts, my talents is an act of worship to God as I use them his way to serve and bless other people. I'm going to tell you the great irony. You can read this yourself. Later this weekend, read Romans chapter 12 yourself, the whole entire chapter. Right after Paul talks about presenting our body as a living sacrifice, in chapter, in verse 3, so verse 1, and then verse 2, then we get to verse 3. As God's messenger, I give you a warning. Be honest in your estimate of yourself. Measure your value by how much faith God has given you. Just as the body has many parts, so each part has a special function. So it is with Christ's body. He goes into spiritual gifts. But after spiritual gifts, then he says this. Don't just pretend to love other people. Really love them. And by the way, hate what's evil. Hate it. Man, we need to learn to be people who know how to hate what's evil. We hate it. We despise it. We stay away from it. And we love what is good. And we stand up for what is good. Love each other with genuine affection. And take delight in honoring each other. Never be lazy in your work, but serve the Lord enthusiastically. What does he get into now? He's getting into our relationships. He's get, see, he starts out with worship. Then he describes what this will look like. Go after it. Be enthusiastic because you're living your life. You're presenting your body each day. Each, the actions of my body. The attitudes of my body. The mentality of how I think is a sacrifice, Lord, to you. <clears throat> this is how we stay centered, you see, as a believer. This is what brings me back. You can read all the books you want on marriage. And it's good to get advice. There are some good ones out there. There are some bad ones. But what brings it all back for me every single day is, Mark, no matter how you feel your wife treated you or not, you get up and you obey me as an offering of your life, as a sacrifice today, Mark, because I'm pleased with that offering. You love her because I ask you to do it and because you're honoring me. I think... I can rarely think back on a time in my life. There are certainly times when I've had what I would call my own melancholy moments. And I wonder if anybody loves me. And I'm being sincere. And I wonder if, you know, anyone really even cares. Which, of course, is absurd. But I can be that way just like anybody else. But I've rarely ever gone to a meeting or to a service where I expected others to show my love because I'm there to offer myself. See, I'm there to offer myself. How can I reach out to that new person? How can I love that person? How can I serve? Whatever I can do. Lord, how can I bless others? Make me a blessing, Lord. You know, sometimes my mom, bless her heart, my mother is 81. She'll be 81 in June. And she's just this short, precious, little, godly lady. She's taken me to Sunday school when I was a little kid. We didn't have the kind of songs we have today. But one of them, I'm sitting out there, you know, standing with the little congregation as the choir would sing, Make me a blessing, make me a blessing, make me a blessing to someone today. It's stuck in my brain. 
I'll, I'll be 60 in August. I've not forgotten that song. That is the theme of my life. God, if I can't be a blessing, kill me. If I cannot be a blessing, Lord, take me home. Use me to be a blessing to others. Use me to be a servant to others, Lord. It's my act of worship to God. Because you're with me, Lord. You're with me, Lord. Lord, in this tough situation right now, I'd rather not be here. I've been in those kind of situations where I'm in a situation, I'm dealing with maybe some really difficult type conflict. I'm like, Lord, I'd rather be anywhere here right now in the world than here. Or as I'm headed out to something, and I'm like, Lord Jesus, help me right now. Help me to be a blessing. Help me, Lord. I'm doing this as an act of worship. This changes the game. This is how I thought as a father. Lord, I'm loving these children as an act of worship. I'm going to give you everything I have, the very best that I have to give, and Lord, I'm going to seek you as an act of worship. This is a profound verse. I want to show you two others, and we will close. I just want to show you here what the Scripture tells us to reinforce this truth. This is Hebrews chapter 9, verse 14. Just think, just think, how much more the blood of Christ will purify our hearts from deeds that lead to death so we can worship the living God. There we go again. The book of Hebrews says the same thing. You see what happened when, before we were a Christian, if I can just be honest, the scripture is very honest. We were all just wretches. We live for our own selfish passions. That's what we live for. I mean, we have a porn epidemic in America because we live for our own passions. We have a food epidemic, an obesity epidemic, an overweight epidemic because we live for our passions. We have a debt problem in America because we want what we want and we want it now. And we're killing ourselves. Listen to me, brother and sister. As a nation, we are committing suicide with what we stuff in our mouth and what we feed into our brain and what we put on our credit cards. Those are deeds that lead us to death. But when Christ comes into our life, into our life, he allows us now to live a life of worship to God. And one of the great gifts of Christianity, the great gifts is the power of God in your life, breaking you free from the enslavement to sin. And he breaks those chains. And you can learn to say, no, no to him. No, I don't have to do that anymore. I'm free. And we learn as we grow to turn away from those and live and worship to God. Lastly, let me share this, this verse with you. One of my favorite. It's in the book of Timothy. And uh, I got to find my little bookmark here. Paul writes this. I read 2 Timothy often. It was the last epistle, the last letter of the Apostle Paul. As for me, my, I love this. This is what I want, not on my tombstone, but as an epitaph. But as for me, my life has already been poured out as an offering to God. The time of my death is near. Will you be able to say that? Will you live to say that? But as for me, I look back, I can say, in humility, I still have life ahead of me. But looking back 40 years, Lord, I have poured my life out as an offering of worship to God. That's the secret. 
That's where the life that God has for you is. That's how a marriage will work. That's how relationships in the church work. I am here to lay my life as an offering each and every day. Holy. Holy means set apart. I am not using my life to live like the world lives. I have set it apart. I have pulled it back from those things and I'm living, walking this road. God's will. God's will. God's will. And this book reveals to you and I God's will for our day-to-day lives, our marriage, the raising of our children, our relationships, the using of our life, our testimony, our work, our job. Let's bow our heads. And I want to ask you tonight to seriously please consider this. Romans 12, 1, I urge you, I plead with you, Brothers and sisters, in view of the mercy of God, in all that he's done for you, all that's yet to come, all that you have forever and ever and ever, give him your life now, your body, your day-to-day life, your walking around life, your job, how you do it. Do it with godliness, with integrity, with a love and devotion to God as worship. I'm worshiping you today, Lord. How I use my money, Lord, I'm worshiping you. And I'd like you to make that commitment this weekend. You may not be able to make it tonight. I want you to ponder, but God wants to transform your life. And then please join us downstairs because we'd love to have you down. The kids would love it and I'd love to meet you. Heavenly Father, oh God, we're here tonight. We're here tonight, Jesus, because you did what we're talking about. Because you came with a body that you offered to God to live and do and breathe the will of God. And I thank you tonight, Lord. Thank you that you used your life to honor your Heavenly Father. We would have no life tonight. We would all be destined to an eternity apart from God. A conscious, real, living, dead eternity. I thank you, Lord Jesus, for paying for my sin. I thank you, Lord Jesus, for your forgiveness, for your cleansing in my life.